Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey everyone, today we're continuing our top albums of the 2010s. We've already heard on the last episode, our bottom five, but now it's time to hear about our top five. So here we go. Culture. Number five. Number five. Top five. Number five. Here we go. What is it? It's Richard Dawson, Peasant. Hmm. Was he the singer of the Verve? Ha. <laughs> no, who's that? <laughs> Richard <God>. Ashcroft. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry. He was the one that um, he did the God, uh, <laughs> the God book. The what? God. He did the God Richard particle. Dawkins. Oh, yeah, no. Richard Dawkins. And, Richard it, and he was a singer for the Verve. Oh, Lord, wasn't I he? Just um, said Dawson. <laughs> wasn't didn't his uh, wasn't his <laughs> daughter? <laughs> wasn't his daughter in extras? Come on. Let's have a daughter in extras. It wasn't his daughter. You know, in extras where they did the um, sitcom after Happy Hour, whatever the fuck it was called, the sitcom in the show. Yeah. When uh, the whistle blows. When the whistle blows. Bloody hell, good memory. Who was the main woman on that? That was Lisa Tarbuck. Liz Dawson? That was Lisa Tarbuck. I'm thinking of, uh, who was her dad? Jimmy Tarbuck. That's right. Who was, who was, who was, friends, who was friends with Les Dawson? <laughs> Uh, is, is it Lisa Tarbuck? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just want to clear something up. <laughs> this has nothing to do with Lisa, Liza, Tarbuck, Jimmy Tarbuck, When the Whistle Blows, Extras, Ricky Gervais, uh, The Verve, or Richard Dawkins, or The God Complex. Right, not just connected. British just coincidence. folk rock. <laughs> So, sorry, uh, tell me about um, Richard Ashcroft's um, album. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes he's just known by Dawson. Dawson. So maybe maybe that'll make it easier for you. Dawson's Creek. Because the the Richard thing seems to be... (laughs) Throwing me. Yeah. (laughs) It's quite a popular name. (laughs) Um, Dickie Dawson. I struggled a little bit to go and pick which album because... the first time I heard him was The Magic Bridge, which came out 2011. Um, so Dawson, he's from Newcastle. And um, I know some guys 
up in uh, Durham that are from Newcastle. And um, when I was in uh, the band with Ben, Pelican Daughters, we went up and used the studio to record our album. Right. And, um, yeah, they just kept going on about Dawson. And one of them just gave me a copy of The Magic Bridge. Mm-hmm. And it's just really affecting idiosyncratic folk, like very traditional, you know, just him and his guitar. But the guitar sounds really strange. Right. Um, and the way he sings is really strange. Um, and he kind of like documents very, um, it's very typical, like vignettes of British life. Right. Um, you know, he takes this like traditional f- kind of like folk singer approach to writing <clears throat> Uh, songs about modern society so like in a way in a bit a way like you know like an artist like Grayson Perry you know uses like traditional like pottery and uh, tapestry but then does it all about like people being on the dole and you know yeah. modern issues it's that it's like a folk singer of uh, like, like modern issues like that I don't but, yeah, anyway, just that was the magic... just not familiar with him whatsoever I don't think uh, well that's so that's the magic bridge but yeah, I've gone with um, so Peasants from 2017, and actually the album we did last year called 2020 was really good. We started introducing some like kind of like synthesizer stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But Peasant for me, it's really like I think it's his most intense album. Mm-hmm. He tried to kind of theme it around um, like kind of like medieval village, right? Um, so it's all like these sort of songs and all the characters are about um what it would be like to be in some like medieval times so all the songs are like herald soldier weaver prostitute scientist this kind of thing Lovely. um but he really like he works up a storm you know it's like him he's like hammering on this guitar and it's all been like recorded quite intimately and it it sounds huge, and it just sounds like the whole thing's going to break, and like his voice is going to break. Um, it's kind of like hearty, lusty, passionate stuff. Um, and I just think there's nothing really else quite like it out there. Should we listen um, to he's a track? A unique of it. artist. Yeah, let's go with some scientist. Okay, let's check it out. anything about him so um yeah give it a give it a whirl give it a go yeah i mean it's absolutely going to be one of those things where it's not for everyone like i said like his voice is quite uh unique (laughs) idiosyncratic but yeah his playing style it's so it builds up and builds up and i think it's quite quite epic Mm. interesting and this is a nice you know this is the first time i think he did kind of like a you know a concept kind of album themed around this medieval thing it's like an hour long of 
Just incredible music. I love how unassuming he looks as well. Yeah, just some guy with a beard. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Nothing to him whatsoever. That's good though, I like that. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, well, I'll move on to my number five album, which is Ariel Pink, dedicated to Bobby Jameson. Woohoo! released in 2017 um and i well kind of a bit of a spoiler i don't think it's the the better aerial pink album that's released in the um, last decade but i was tempted to leave it off but were it not for the fact that it was it was like my second highest played album of that decade and i thought that's got to be worth something in itself yeah Um, and I think it's still got some really like super strong tracks. And I was looking at the albums on here and I was like, it's still better. Like, you know, I know you were saying about the law of choosing two out of, sorry, of only choosing one album per artist, but I was like, yeah. I can't do it with this one. <laughs> I was like, I can't leave it off. And I think it's also, there's something to it where it's the fact that each album of his, and bear in mind, he's released a lot of albums still in the last decade. These are only like, He's like proper studio albums. He still releases stuff all the time. He recently just released like, like what was it? Like 30 just shit things that he had just had lying around. He just releases it anyway. Constantly <laughs> releasing singles, doing team ups with different, you know, people, whatever. He's constantly releasing music. But in terms of like sitting down and actually doing an album, um, you know, with a band basically properly <laughs> rather than him yeah. in his bedroom. Um it just shows like, you know, what he can kind of do with it. And yeah, each one of his um, albums always feels like for the most part, um, especially these days, very unique and unique in a way that it's, it's kind of ripping off other artists and it's kind of like parodying some other stuff or it's just like this mishmash of stuff that he's listened to in the past or he likes or he's been listening to. And it just kind of all gets fuses together in this weird, weird amalgamation. And that's what I really like about it. Um, Likewise. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. And it's just a cool sound. And I know that whole like part of the kind of extra bandmate who's on these albums is the production itself, a kind of lo-fi cassette um, kind of sound, uh, even with, you know, and that's what's funny, like the fact they're going to these Big, well, big, I don't know what studios they go to, but it's you know in a, a studio and do all these bits and pieces and yet run it through so that it makes sure it kind of sounds like it's still coming out of your crappy 80s like tape yeah. machine. That's the thing with him. Uh, you know, people do say it's like lo-fi, but it's, it's it's highly produced Yeah, to sound like that, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Um, like obviously, his earlier stuff was well, It was that actually anyway, yeah. This like last run of actual studio albums sound amazing yeah very good and it was always one of those things where from like well basically pom-pom it was like well how do you kind of follow this 
And he did it. And I remember like um, Time to Live or whatever, Time for Life, um, the first track basically, was the first single released from the album. It wasn't, well, yeah. if you can call it a single, it was the first release, let's say, the first yeah. listen to the album. Um, and I remember listening to that just going like, this is in- still incredible, even though it kind of rips off Video Killed the Radio Star a little bit at the end and <laughs> a couple of other things. Um, yeah. I was like, man, if this is going to, album's going to sound like this, um, it's going to be amazing. And basically it it did in a sense of each song sounds different, but it's all that same kind of stuff. Um, and just the whole story about the fact of like Bobby Jameson, um, yeah, because I didn't, I never heard of him and it was only through this album that I actually Googled what he was about and all this stuff and how he was, mm. you know, the kind of this musician who was highly talented, but like left in the dirt or whatever and all this bollocks. Um, and yeah, all that stuff's just like super interesting. And yeah, it's like, you know, he doesn't, that's all it took. It's really weird. Just the whole thing's weird. And that's why I like it. Cause he's just, Ariel <laughs> Pink's just such a weird bloke and it's perfect. That Bobby Jameson album's uh, pretty good. Yeah, well, I haven't actually listened to any of the music. <laughs> yeah, and just, I, 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 I did some, you know, nosing around and ended up listening to it. It's really, it's worth checking out. Hmm. Yeah, I should do. I know he's got that. Um, it's got like a YouTube series or something where he talks about his life, but I've not oh, seen really? that either. Yeah, I think that's kind of how yeah. he met a second wind, and a lot of musos, I think, were sharing it with each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, whatever. But yeah, so that's my number five. Ariel Pink, dedicated to Bobby Jameson. So Good pick. Yeah, let's go into your right. number four. Um, Sorry, go on. I was just going to add something. Um, I think Another Weekend's probably like my most played song of the last three years. Really? Yeah, that's the song that I love the most on this album. Yeah. Um, there's some really weird like time stuff going on in the middle of it and everything about the structure is totally bizarre mm. and it's just got a vibe that isn't as it's not been captured in any other song that i can think of no i think there's an element to him and his songwriting where it's like he almost gets immediately bored of his own songs or uh, like where a song is going yeah if that makes sense and i know there's he kind of talks about how a lot of his songs are just he just he's constantly writing stuff and he'll just pick stuff from other bits or like something he recorded like fucking five years ago, whatever. And then I'll just stick this bit here or whatever. And yeah, all these bits. And it's, you know, cause he's always constantly trying to come up with ideas. And I think he's the way he's so prolific is quite inspiring because, uh, you know, yeah. we've talked about it before. Whereas the element of like the reason why, well, me personally, but like, you know, a lot of people kind of seem to share the sentiment. Um, the case of like not releasing stuff was because well it needs to sound like perfect and it's like well it doesn't does it because his stuff like you know you listen to like the doldrums is still i still listen to that i probably listen to that just as much if not maybe even more than this album and that is the most lo-fi shittily recorded thing <laughs> ever yeah. um and that's why it inspires me basically to think like yeah if it's a good song or whatever, it will still kind of come through. Yeah, do it, get it out. Yeah. You can always re-record it down the line Yeah, when you've got some money behind you. Exactly. Because yeah. <laughs> there's some old songs on here, actually. Hmm. Um, I think, I can't remember which ones. I think uh, I think I Want to Be Young is like a, quite an old song. Right. 
Yeah, I don't know. I found that um, the thing is there's so many like every time I do like a bit of a dive on Ariel Pink, I don't I think I've I scratched the surface a little bit more and then there's like a new cave of like uh, so much stuff and I'm like, Oh, I don't know where I'm gonna start with this. It's like tidying up a an attic or something. <laughs> You're just like, Well, what do I listen to? And then you end up just listening to hours and hours of like thoughts or whatever. And that's why I quite like these albums particularly, because it really is like the cream of the stuff that he's done and doing and you're right yeah he does kind of dredge up stuff from the the past or stuff he's released before and um put a different sheen yeah. on it or use it as something else reposition it yeah there's some really good bonus tracks around this album as well i just was a little bit of a, a little bit disappointed that may the music never die mm. um didn't end up on the album it was on that bonus uh yeah thing. yeah you sent it to um, me because I like that because, you know, I like Deerhoof and it's got um, Satomi singing on it from Deerhoof. Right. And I think Greg might have done something on it as well. So, Oh, well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a bit weird because it, yeah, it was a Japanese, as you said, Japanese bonus thing, right? But you had, wasn't it, oh God, just, it was only on the vinyl or something. Was that right? Yeah. When you up. bought, they did, a, they did a package where like, if you buy the vinyl, um, you could buy this picture, di- uh, picture disc bonus ep with four extra songs mm. um and it was really expensive yeah it was so expensive so i didn't get it but you know you can find the songs yeah elsewhere yeah um interesting 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 um cool okay uh well, yeah let's go on to your number cuatro okay so yeah my number four is by a band i don't know anything about them um go go penguin mm and this album's called V2 from 2014, probably the second album. Mm-hmm. I never bothered to... I did go back and download their first album, but I never really listened to it properly. But for some reason, I just keep coming back to this one, V2, and listening to it over and over again. I found it really relaxing um, and really, really intricate and interesting. Right. Uh, should we give a 1% a listen? Okay, yeah, let's check it out. guys i don't know like how they're perceived or how well they're known or anything but i imagine they're kind of underrated um it's really interesting kind of like jazz it's jazz essentially but Mm -hmm. it reminds me of some of like radiohead's stuff it's very you know it's very accessible poppy and you've got this really cool drumming going on that again is starting to veer towards some of that like like i said earlier the motoric Kraut rock style of bands like Beak. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's jazz, but it's kind of like pop fusion jazz. Um, and it's just really, you can put it on and it takes you on a journey. Pretty relaxing, but it's also like exciting and kind of cool. Right. I've not heard of heard of it. I don't know literally anything about it. 
I don't know how I discovered it. I think it was uh, like at the end of every year, like you said, you know, I do a little bit of a sweep of the lists and see if I missed anything. And I think it was just recommended through that. And I just loved it. And I keep coming back to it. Every couple of years, I think, oh, I should give that Go Go Penguin album another listen. Yeah. Let's have a look. They're from Manchester. I'll check it out. Yeah, what kind of what kind of stuff did you say it was? You find it relaxing? Jazzy kind of... Yeah, it's like kind of ambient experimental jazz, but it's it's pretty digestible, really. It's kind of like, I suppose structurally, it's quite poppy. Okay. Interesting. Well, um, yeah, I have to give that, have to give that a look. Um, Let's have a look here. Critics have described their music with references to Aphex Twin, Square Pusher, Brian Eno, Massive Attack... And minimal music composers like Philip Glass. Bloody hell. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like it might be a tougher listen. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not. I think I think you could you might like it if you want to put uh have something like kind of chilled out and pretty cool yeah. in the background. Well I do like my chill. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Uh well I guess we'll kind of move move on to my number four, um, which is Cat file, smoke ring for my bum hole. I mean halo, smoke ring for my halo. So yeah, 2011, this was released. And yeah, do you know, do you know anything about Kurt Vile? Or heard this album? Not, or whatever? No, not a lot. Um, he's a bit passe now, I'd probably say. Um, because it's, I feel like it's been done. It's kind of riding a little bit on the Boniver kind of stuff. And um, he was in a band called War, War on Drugs, which, you know, did quite well after this as well. Um, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, and he's got like really long curly hair. Um and he's done uh, some other bits and pieces, but um it's this was the I don't know if this was his first album actually when I think about it, but um you know when you like you hear something and you think this is what I want to hear right now and I didn't even know it. If that <laughs> makes sense. So I think I was going through like another um I was doing more acoustic y kind of stuff anyway. And then <clears throat> I was listening to, like, I remember I think Red Dead Redemption had just come out, or maybe it came out, like, the year before, whatever. Um, and I was kind of listening to more, like, Western-y kind of music, just off the back of that, randomly. And uh-huh. I was doing this thing called Day Road West, which is a bit Western-y, and I never really released any. I think I released, like, one track. There's a whole, there's about 20 tracks I need to actually do. But um, and I remember when I listened to Kurt Vile, I was like, this is the sound that would I want not necessarily his voice or anything like that, but like, it sounds like it's very intimate. Um, it's quite a lot of reverb still to it. If it sounds still country and Western, but it's, um, 
it's still like cool songs. It's not like country western songs. Um, but the way he kind of sings and he kind of he's the, what he does with his like voice, which sounds quite natural, but so somehow unnatural. And the way mm. he like you know turns a phrase and the the melody kind of reaches alongside normally, which is just very simple acoustic playing with like. You know, the drums are quite muted. He's got other bits in there, whatever, but it does it never feels like overpowering or anything like that. It feels very it feels very small and yet big at the same time. And yeah, I don't know, there's something very personal about it, um, and endearing. And I think it's the warmth. It sounds like it's like a thing you'd walk into like a bar, wherever it'd be playing on a vinyl or so you'd be, you know, at the back of a stage somewhere. Do you know what I mean? There's people like sitting around in like a cowboy esque type mm. Texan bar or something, like drinking a whiskey. I don't know what the fuck they do, and um, it's got that kind of vibe to it. So it feels like there's just like it's a little like peep into this weird world which I've like almost filled with my own brain, and this is kind of like the soundtrack to it. Um, and that's why it made number four. <laughs> if I've um listened to the war on drugs and didn't like them and found them kind of, yeah. Am I going to like Kurt Vile? Uh, yeah, it's, it's different. So like okay. um, early war on drugs is a bit more Kurt Vile-ish, but the stuff that you probably would have heard yeah, of them. That one that everyone said was the best album. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, to be honest, I don't mind war on drugs, um, but I'm like, it's a bit like broken social scene a little bit. Don't know why it's kind of a weird comparison, but it's the way it's so like kind of trying to be Bruce Springsteen and yeah. and all that fine, and I don't mind that. Kurt Vile is like it feels very much like I'm Kurt Vile, and here's what I'm singing about, and it's to you, and I like that more rather than this like kind of very this band of like the panache, whatever war and drugs. It feels very like shiny almost, whereas this feels more like warm. It's like a matte effect rather than a gloss effect. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would, okay. yeah. I mean, like, literally listen to, like, the first track. And if it's not for you, then it won't be for you because the whole album's basically like that. But, um, yeah, I really liked it. And I thought it it felt, I listened to it a lot at the time, still listen to it now, and I like going back to it. And there's, like, yeah, as I said, there's a kind of a warmth and a, a personal kind of connection almost with it for some weird reason cool kurt vile yeehaw yeehaw um so what's your so, number three yeah top three. Oh yeah we're here any of these three could have been my number one really it's really difficult to rank them at this point but i've gone for swans mm. and no, i've gone surprised. for what is <laughs> I've gone for what is considered probably their weakest of the albums that they've done uh, in the decade, which was their uh, return album, My Father Will Guide Me Up a Rope to the Sky. Lovely. And let's hear You Fucking People Make Me Sick.
like about well, what I like about swans um, in this incarnation, especially, is that they've retained a lot of the elements of uh, classic swans, um, which for me really is some of the like brutality um, and built on repetition. But they've added in elements of um, some of the projects that happened while they were, you know, on hiatus. Right. Like um, Angels of Light. This more kind of like attempt to bring in more more beauty, but while it's still quite intense. Um, so this felt like a continuation of that before we got to like the um, the seer. And, you know, these three then albums that they did that were all really long, like two hours long each. Mm-hmm. And they're so intense. The Seer, uh, To Be Kind, and uh, the, the Glowing Man. Um, amazing albums, but how many times do I actually sit down and listen to those albums? Right. Not that many times. And you can't really pick any of the songs from those. Like, they're, they're two-hour listening experiences. Whereas this, you know, it's a bit more digestible, a bit more accessible. Um, so I listen to this a lot more. You know, like the longest song here is nine minutes, whereas the longest song on those other albums can be like 28 minutes long. Right. Um, anyway, like there's still like a really nice, like rich diversity of sounds on here um, and instrumentation. You've even got like a, uh, a jaw harp or a jute harp on some of these songs, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. Um, like if people don't know Swans, I think at this point they start to sound a bit to me like um, like Nick Cavey. Okay. Um, but to me, it kind of like it's even blacker and more bitter. Um, and when it chooses to be more beautiful, nice. Just like so it's, your bottom. Yeah. <laughs> This is what I like. I like the brutality with the beauty. And it all sounds very like the co- the cover is like this kind of like cosmic thing in space. Mm-hmm. And I like that. It's like um, a sort of spiritual, almost, almost cosmic experience. Yeah. Interesting. Um, have, have you listened to this album? No, I don't think so. Again, we, got, we kind of speak about swans and I've still not, you know, you know I've only dipped my toe in really. I've not gone full hog. Um, but they do interest me and I love the fact as you said they've been around for like ever um, yeah and yeah I like that I think as I'm getting older I like the idea of old people still you know rocking and still releasing <laughs> stuff and doing doing their best work yeah yeah, yeah. interesting yeah um, yeah again I need to kind of check all this stuff out I mean that's why I always like you know doing these things with you because there's, there's always that element of um, uh, quite different and what we actually listen to on a day-to-day basis, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so it's always quite interesting just to hear what's going on on the other side of, uh, yeah. of everything. Um, on the dark side. On the dark side, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, yeah, number number three on my one, the bronze, if you will is Idol's Joy as an Act of Resistance. Yeah, 
this uh, shot up the list the last few months um, ah. because when I first heard them, I think I said this on the podcast as well back in the day, um, I was like, when some, uh, I can't remember it was, someone from uni or whatever was like, oh, you'd love them, you'd love this band. And I, I hate I hate it when sometimes, you know, people say that because it's like, oh, what? What is it then? It's going to be like a depressing sounding band or someone that's just like straight up punk or whatever. So, um, you know, sometimes depending on who's saying it, I've, I go in listening to something with some bias already. Yeah. Like I'm already going in thinking, I don't want to like it because I don't want to be predictable. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I don't want people just knowing things that I like. Um, you don't know what I like. So I always find it quite funny because it's such a dick way to think about stuff as well, but I can't help it, it's subconscious. And um, yeah. <clears throat> so the guy's like just, you know, trying to be nice. And You think you know me? You don't know, know me. Yeah, exactly. Um, you don't know me? And I listened to it and I remember thinking it um, sounded like, oh God, I forget the name of it now, but like his kind of talky, like, you know, rah, 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 ranty stuff. Um, made me think of that um, band. Oh, fucking hell, what are they called? Shouldn't swear, sorry. Um, Reminds me of the Sleaford Brute. No, oh. there's an old band called Art Brute, which if anyone wants to check out. But they did like, um, I didn't actually mind them that much. And I had the album, um, but it was all just like talking, but like ironically. So like one of the songs were, <laughs> in a band, I'm in a band, in a band, I'm in a band. Like, but obviously like, music but beneath underneath <laughs> it um and it was a lot of that stuff uh. but it was all like kind of i'm not really singing i'm just talking i'm saying things over the top of some rocky riffs this is our this is what we do hey yeah whatever and it's all like trying to be a bit like you know trying to get across a weird um you know postmodern thing how wild and wacky i am is yeah. this art brute art brute yeah so when I first, it come to, when I first heard Idols, I was kind of like, oh, it's this like fucking talky, not really singing, but like this is a bit more like punky. It's just someone like just shouting words. And I was like, it's, it didn't really like get me. Um, get me going. And then, uh, what was it? And then I listened to, someone else said, was like, oh, is this really good, really good, really good. And I listened to it a bit more and I was like, I just don't, I don't get into it. I don't understand it. And then... Um, and then I think I told you about this. And then I saw them on uh, Glastonbury um, uh, on uh, BBC. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like suddenly I was like, oh, I get it. And then for that week, I just didn't stop listening to them. Like, it's just constant. <laughs> like everything was just on repeat. And um, and all the things that to do with like uh, like the modern the modern man and dealing with what it's like to be a modern man and everyone's like oh yeah you know boohoo but um the kind of pressures that go with it you know and suicide rates are the highest among young males young um of you know whatever age it is and this kind of speaks more to that like the whole thing of like you know you're allowed to cry it's all right you know what i mean like you know you see same as women you see shit on the tv you don't have to fucking look like that just be yourself you're great and all this stuff, which sounds like fucking self-help, poncy bollocks, but against like a, a kind of punk rock background where this guy is like, oh, you will fucking love yourself or I'll hit you <laughs> kind of thing. 
And I was just like, that's kind of just what it, that's kind of like the perfect line to kind of tow along. Um, and then alongside it, you've got some really messy guitars that work really well together. But, and it's just great drumming and, you know, just generally and genuinely um, great songs. And it, But I like the way that each one kind of has a, it's, it's a message and it speaks very much to that kind of British working class, you know, and I'm, I'd like to think, um, yeah, I'm basically not, I'm very much where I'm not working class anymore, but I've still got that little, that little bit in me. And, you know, the way it kind of speaks to that, if that makes sense of like... You've got a little bit of a working class man in Yeah, you. just a little bit in my d- deep dark heart. tip. <laughs> no further, please. <laughs> it's as far as you're allowed. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't know, just all... Yeah, just kind of the messaging around it. Like they're very, very left-wing, liberal, um, which is what I like to think I am. Probably, I'm probably less so, but idealist-wise, I'm probably of that ilk. Um, and the fact that, yeah, it's just like these quite punky, cool, fucking angry rock songs. And you can feel the sweat and the tension and the fucking emotion and the anger and like the love and the fear or whatever and all this stuff. You can hear it being spat out at you um, throughout this whole album, especially like live as well. Um, and they're just great, a really amazing band. And I think actually they're the most important band in terms of, um, you know, if we're talking about what, what music changing lives or whatever, probably the most important band that we've had in, in a while. Um, because they're actually like, as you said, um, when we were speaking about them earlier on an earlier podcast episode, they're kind of, they're a bit everywhere. Not so much maybe now, but like not so long ago, you know, they were kind of all over the place. They're very much in, mm. in your face. And I think it's got quite a positive message um, for people and, you know, for everyone as well, but specifically as a, I'm probably not a young male anymore, but, um, you know, from that kind of thing where it's like, yeah, I, I'm on board with this. I can totally, you know, relate to that kind of stuff. And I, you always hear a lot about, and again, this feels like it's like, yeah, white cis, you know, middle class male moaning kind of stuff. Yeah, but um, there's just that element where it's like, isn't it's something that's not specifically for that, but that I can still be a part of because I am still that, and I feel like someone's still being able to talk to me and fight for me a little bit, even if it's all that they're really fighting against is like the system, the man. Or whatever, or just like, you know, cultural embarrassments, which you should be okay with. And I've always got a kind of like issue with what, with like what masculinity is. Like, I don't like it, like alpha male stuff and what it is supposed to represent. And I actually think it's, you know, like, I don't like all that stuff when I'm standing with a group of lads or whatever. And I'm just like, this is lame. Like, you're all fucking lame. And I'll fight you to the death about it. So if you think it's really cool to, think you're a lad or whatever and be bothering people or pissing up whatever or shouting out racist stuff or whatever and all this stuff um, and you think that's what makes you a man then you're a pissy little shit and I'll fucking kick the shit out of you if that's what it comes down to and it's that kind of like attitude that I feel comes across maybe in this album fighting the good fight almost sounds incendiary I do like a good angry man yeah I've probably spoke about that way too much sorry it's a bit of a blabbering on but um that's good but it's just because that's how it just kind of shot up really and um i only really it's 2018 it was released but i didn't yeah as i said i didn't really listen to it till last last summer really do you like pissed jeans yeah um 
I do. Yeah. Funny enough, they were. Um, there's a guy now who uh, he runs Red Bull. Um, he's Red Bull's editor in chief. Sorry, I should say he doesn't run Red Bull, but it's in the magazine thing. Um, and he used to he used to run a magazine called The Flyer, which is part of the um, Fly franchise, which closed down, which is you know Camden Barfly and all that stuff. Um, and he used to take me to the odd gig and all this stuff, um, and used to send me shit as well. And one of them was Piss Jeans. Um, and I did like it, but yeah, I felt like it's less of a, um, I feel like it's less important, if that makes sense. Songs are still good, but, um. There isn't a social message. Yeah. It's just. But it is very much like, um, the nuts and bolts of being a middle-aged white man. Yeah. In America. Yeah. But I do like. I gotta pay my mortgage. <laughs> um, and I do enjoy all that, but I just think there's something. And that's kind of like half the thing for me with Idols is I like that every, I like everything about it. I like the songs itself, but for me, that it's the first time where I've listened to like songs and lyrics and what it's about. Like that, the first album, Brutality, is you know basically about the, his mum died and he had to look after mm. his mum for ages, and that kind of comes through in the stuff that he sings about. You know, like lyrics mm. of that. You know about how fucking hard his mum worked and for what. And, like, he was just a kid, he know what the fuck was going on and all this stuff. And it's all these, like, it's very personal. And it's the same with um, this album as well. But this is a bit different in the sense of, um, where, as, he's, as the album title suggests, Joy is an Act of Resistance. I've been, like, it doesn't have to be, like, fucking neggy, basically, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, you can celebrate stuff and in a, it could be a bit more up about it. And in fact, that will probably do as much damage as being angry about it will. Um, and this kind of like weird jubilation and celebratory nature of it um, as an act of resistance. So what's weird is that, you know, the album title works. The album title does what it says on the tin. Do you know what I mean? For like the whole yeah. message of the whole album. And there's nothing much you can say with like some of the rest of things, these things, you know, like, yeah. Um, man alive <laughs> within without it's all just like a bit like that sounds pretty but this is like well no this is actually this album is telling you it's joy is an act of resistance against fucking yeah. Tories <laughs> love yourself people yeah exactly success is the best form of revenge well that as well um, yeah I think they've kind of fucked up a few things along the way though like in sense of you know, they, what, what was it? They played the Mercury Music Prize and I, don't, I hate the oh. Mercury Music Prize anyway. Like, I think it's fucking shit. But um, like, as I was watching it, I was like, uh, they're kind of like a bit messy. Like I think they've, it's not, they're not used to this kind of thing and it showed. So when I was like, oh, you should watch, I said to a few people, oh, Idols are going to be a Mercury Music Prize. Like watch it. I could tell I was a bit like, oh, I'm a bit embarrassed about it actually because it's like, this isn't like, <laughs> doesn't feel right you could tell they're like almost too self-aware as they were playing yeah. and it's just and as well with something like that it's just people sitting on fucking tables yeah watching you that must be that must be horrible yeah it's weird actually to go from you know being that kind of band and then shoved in a studio and like all the sound is different and all that kind of thing it's a totally different vibe mm. Easy to fall flat on your face, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, sorry about that, Dan. Uh, let's go on to your number two. Number two is Ariel Pink and his pom-pom. Ooh. 
What uh, what should we listen to of it? Not enough violence. What's the view like from your bed? Well, I hand full of what where you got fed. And now it's time for a that's right. Now it's time for a that's right. Penetration time tonight. Pom Pom 2014, this album came out. Um, I think I'd heard the album before this, Mature Themes, but I hadn't quite really, I don't know, hadn't quite landed, hadn't got into it that much. Mm. Um, And then I saw a bit of hype around this one and I just fell in love with it. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And it was also kind of like not a genre or type of music I'd really been that into at this point. Um, you know, obviously it's like we discussed a little while back with... Um, dedicated to Bobby Jameson it's that that mishmash of so many different musical styles it's like a a pastiche of a lot of kind of like 70s and 80s um popular music yeah 
Um, and that's what makes it work. It's this like kind of kaleidoscopic world of uh, stuff. Um, and you've got 17 songs here, and each one is a proper song. Um, really good songwriting, interesting sounds, textures, some straight-up kind of songs, some really weird stuff, you know, like Dinosaur Care Bears. Yeah. Really experimental. But everything sounds so good, it's so well-produced and performed. Um, so for me, like, this is my favourite Ariel Pink album. I think it's the most successful one. Um, and, you know, you know, I knew someone who, well, I was going out with someone who, like, knew him. Yeah. And I was talking to her about it one evening and saying, like, oh, I wonder if it was, like, um, like his attempt at kind of doing a Todd Rundgren, um, a Wizard of Truth star, which is a kind of, it's similar in that it kind of goes through all these different musical styles. Todd Rundgren. And then it'll be... <laughs> Todd Rundgren. Uh. Um, like, if you like this album, I heartily recommend... A Wizard, A True Star by Todd Rundgren. Because um, he did in 1974 an album where it was like, he was like a master producer and he liked, you know, he'd come out of doing like quite straightforward, soulful pop and rock. Um, and then he just like dumped all this extra stuff in and went like kind of a bit, bit mad in the studio. Right. And it's kind of like schizophrenic, like this is from one song to the next. But I just loved, like, I think the first song on here that I heard was Picture Me Gone, mm -hmm. um, which is obviously this, like, really quite heartfelt um, ballad. And I like that sometimes, like, there's songs here where it's almost, like, it's almost cheesy. Yeah. Um, but everything's just um, done with either, like, a wink or with with actually quite a high degree of sincerity. So it always kind of works. The, the, the picture of me gone thing, when I first saw that, like the video is amazing. Yeah. But then I saw also this thing of him like doing it with kids, like going to a school and he's like doing a sing along and they're like, do, um, they do a Q&A with him at the end and they're like, who are you? In in the lyrics to Picture Me Gone, <laughs> like, why are you talking about an iPhone? Yeah. No, no, I haven't seen, seen that at all. That's so funny. That's really cool. You should check it out. Because I was like, oh, this is good, picture me gone. And then I went and listened to, like, Not Enough, Not Enough Violence. Yeah. And I was like, this is such a like, completely different song. Yeah. Like, 80s kind of cure, kind of like, almost like goth rock. Yeah. Um, and then you've got everything else in between. Yeah. So Total journey, total amazing experience. It is, yeah. Um, and I feel the same way, basically. It's from beginning to the kind of story behind this for me if you remember we were um well you got me into him by just being like oh there's tickets for something but we have to choose between going to see him or going to see someone else yeah i had tickets for dead rider the same night yeah and um oh that's right yeah and you're like oh um what what would you want to go see i remember i looked at the picture pictures and it was an Ariel Pink's one, and this was this was on the Pom Pom tour. Um, it was him kind of looking a bit Swedish, basically, but like <laughs> like a Eurovision uh, contest um, a nominee, and he was like lying down, like in a sexy seventies pose, but obviously he just looks like some fucking weirdo. And um, 
like shirt open or whatever. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And I listened to the songs. I was like, oh, this is fucking weird. And I remember you saying, oh, he's supposed to be a bit of a dick. Um, yeah. Like when, when he's playing. And um, I was like, no, yeah, well, I was like, I probably prefer this. Let's go see this. And the gig was loud, if you remember, but it was amazing as oh. well at the same time. And um, yeah, I was just like, man, this is amazing. And then, yeah, went back and listened to the album and that just began, yeah, my love, unconditional love for this. And I really wish I'd gone to that gig actually just knowing, I mean, obviously uh, the whole point is I never would have, if that makes sense, but like knowing more of the songs. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, luckily we've, we've seen him since then anyway. And um, he's got a much bigger following now. Um, than he did at Bethnal Green Working Men's Club. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and every single song on this album, as you said, completely different. It's like, you know how sometimes when people sit in a studio or whatever, it's like, this is the al- album sound. Like, we've set up the guitars and the drums or whatever. It's all going to sound like this, and we have the different songs, but it's going to sound like this. Each song is different, as in tonally, production-wise, mm. everything about it. And as you said, you just go on a journey with each one. But what's great is that, yeah, as you said, it goes from cheesy to like, you know, I don't know, minimal to like rocky and all this stuff. And it shows his eclectic musical knowledge and taste and ability. And yet each song is amazing. Like it's really great and in its own world, in its own sphere. And the fact that, as you said, you've got whatever it is, 14 of these tracks, um, 17. 17, sorry, of these tracks together. Um, and each one of them is great. It's like, that's, I've, that's, I've never listened to an album like that before um, or since. So yeah, dedicated to Bobby Jameson. It's like almost like pom-pom light and uh, it's still great, but I feel like this was just completely fresh, new, different and exciting basically. So yeah, completely agree with you on that count. It's kind of like his White Album, mm. except all the songs have been written by one person. Yeah. And essentially it feels so like it's impressive. been yeah, like performed by, it's, I don't think it is, but I know, you know, it, there's an element where he would have performed some aspect of it, of each of these songs. Um, oh yeah, totally. And that's what, what, like, this was the first, like, kind of studio band thing. And I suppose it wasn't really... Because um, no, he's only someone to graffiti. He was coming off of he'd done two for four uh, AD. So mm. there was what was it uh, before today and um, mature themes. Yeah, that's right. That which is this haunted graffiti moniker. Yeah, I felt like, but that had established like what kind of work he could do. You know, on a budget in a studio, and then it was like, right now I'm going to kind of make my opus. And like this feels like his his statement album, and like you said, I think Bobby Jameson feels a bit like a it's just like a retread, a shorter retread, and similar kind of thing, but a bit weaker. Mm. In a way, it would have been nice if he'd done something completely different. Yeah. Um, well, it kind of how much different can you you get? <laughs> if you know what I mean, like it's already really different, and then you're gonna. It's so varied anyway, like, I don't know, it's weird. Could have gone... It's like having a pick straight. a mix and going, 
I kind of fancy something a bit different than a bigger mix. So you've kind of got everything in here. What do you want? He <laughs> <laughs> could have gone back and just gone, I'm just going to do an album of polos. <laughs> yeah. Just like the best. Really boring, but the best. <laughs> God. Yeah. Um, I've got a copy of this, like the LP. Because I was just thinking, actually, you know, the fact that it's all, all pink, mm. it does kind of emulate, I think it does emulate the White Album a bit. Mm. It's like a, his statement album. It's called that, like, pom-pom stuff. It's all, like, in kind of, like, glitter. Oh, is it? It's pretty sweet. That's cool. Yeah. And it's got all these, like, weird drawings and handwritten lyrics inside. It's kind of fun. Yeah, it's so weird that, like, when we went to see him, he was just, like, sitting there at his, like, merch store. It's yeah, just it's like, really glum. Yeah, and it's, like, sweaty, bloated, blonde, <laughs> like, Kurt Cobain wannabe or whatever. <laughs> and we're just like, oh, my God, he just looks a fucking mess. And yeah. um I don't yeah, think he was, he was well. No, I don't think he was at that um, stage. And I remember he was selling his um uh he was selling like handwritten lyrics or whatever to the album there as well. Like you can only get yeah, I remember thinking, Oh, that's interesting. Like I hadn't seen anything like that before. And I was like thinking, oh, it'd be really cool to like I've got that. Like I wonder what that was. Um but yeah, maybe yeah. it's maybe something that was like that. Um I didn't finish my thought earlier on what I was going to say, which is I kind of mooted, oh, is this his sort of like attempt at doing a Todd Rundgren thing? Um, what, but from apparently, Rocky, Rocky IV? <laughs> <laughs> Todd. <laughs> um, but apparently he said, well, it's kind of like, oh yeah, because I said that and she was like, oh, well, I'll just ask him. I've got him right. here on like on like Facebook Messenger or something. Um, but he was like, yeah, it was, I think he was trying to do like a 70s kind of like, you know, like prog rock double album type thing. What for? What are you saying now for Pom Pom? Yeah, for Pom Pom. Right. He, he was, he, he said he was, yeah, trying to kind of, you know, those like slightly kind of pompous almost like prog albums of the 70s, you know, double album and like a big gatefold sleeve. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he was going for. Was just like big statement. Interesting. Anyway, so yeah, that's uh, pom pom. Number two, which which leads me two? to my silver award, which goes to Pom-poms. Mets. Yeah, <laughs> Mets, Mets, Mets. Ah. <laughs> Let's have a listen. So I think this is the one that I was surprised that you didn't put on um, because, yeah, when this I listened to this album, it was like having a shotgun in my face and I loved it. And beginning to end, I was like, it's high energy. It's really 
uplifting as in you know i can go for a, a run and listen to this music and be pumped the whole way throughout um and it was yeah just that whole like kind of sub pop grungy uh grungy sound um loved it i thought it was great I, there's no point to talk about it too much we did our episode on it which people yeah. could go back and listen to um but yeah just I, I still listen to it to this day um it's i would say it's one of the best rock albums for uh well yeah for at least the last decade if not last ever <laughs> um and yeah i just really enjoyed every every single aspect of it i think it's dirty raw um i love the drumming in it um I, and the songwriting wise it's very similar to like what I've always kind of tried to recreate but never really had the fucking balls I don't think to actually stick my dick in that far as it were <laughs> and um yeah and just Mets kind of just have it all and I'm surprised they're not I mean they're pretty big now but I'm surprised they're not bigger unfortunately I feel like we're saying this on the show there's each album after this has got a little bit worse each time mm-hmm. um and so for that reason, like I always come back to this album, but other albums are still good, but yeah, nothing quite reached the heady heights of this debut for me. Yeah. I didn't include them on my list. Um, I think because I think I like Mets, the band more than I like any of their specific albums. Mm. You know, I like, you know, and I like seeing them live, um, but I can cherry pick like, maybe like five songs from that album and a couple then from the second album and a couple from the third album. So I think that's why this this is one album didn't quite make my my cut. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. But it's still very good. Yeah. Um, well, that's we, we love a bit of Mets. Yeah, we love Mets. We, we still always go and look at them. And again, a... we, did, we did dedicate an entire episode to this album. So yeah, you can yeah. just scroll back and... Have a listen to that if you're interested. Um, Dan, what's your number one? What's your winner? Number one, numero one, was all the way back in 2010. And nothing better happened for 10 years. And it was The Fall with our future, your clutter. Should we have a listen? Track in particular? Berry? Mary Berry. Here we go. I'm not too um, familiar with the full. I know we've spoken about this before. Um, why out of there? The, because they still made a bunch of albums, right? Since that one, 
Yeah, um, I'm trying to think how many. Yeah, probably like another five after this. Right. So, what kind of makes this one stand out for you? Wow. Well, every full album is good. Um, they haven't made a bad one, uh, and it's just very personal. I just like all the songs on this one more than the songs on the other ones. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think there was quite a, a... There's a little bit more on this one, a sound, um, a little bit more introduction of that kind of like American alternative rock sound underpinning some of these tracks, I think. A song like Chino that's got um, like quite a aggressive kind of arpeggiated guitar that reminds me of like the Jesus lizard um and just bits and pieces woven throughout like there's, there are any songs here that I don't like mm-hmm. and there's a couple of songs here that I absolutely love that are probably I'd probably put them in my favorite fall songs of all time okay um and the reason why you know this was in my top three I, I put it at number one really I think in acknowledgement uh, to pay tribute to Marky Smith. Yeah. Um, I was meant to see them in London uh, about a month before he died. Right. And we had tickets. um, And the night before, I can't remember where they were playing the night before, that got cancelled. And I was literally waiting all day, waiting, waiting and checking, you know, the internet and seeing if there was any news. Because I was sure, I just thought it's going to get cancelled, it's going to get cancelled. Yeah. And it got cancelled. Right. A couple of, you know, in the afternoon maybe. And I remember I just I remember thinking that's it. Probably right. not gonna get another chance. And uh yeah, within about a it's month true. or so he passed away. Fuck. So it's a real shame. But I saw them a couple of times. Um probably would have liked to have seen them more. Yeah. Um yeah, actually I kinda got the title of this album wrong. <laughs> they true? were great, you know, Marky Smith loved tinkering with stuff. Right. And he loved um, being a thorn in the side of like producers and engineers. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is one of like several albums where I think the original mix um, maybe leaked, or people said stuff about it and heard it, and just almost like in a <laughs> like a fit of petulance, he'd be like, "No, we're going to completely change it now, and I'm going to remix it and screw it up." Um, and what I love is like some of the like weird production quirks and things that are in here. Right. And people go, oh, what's going on? It sounds crap. It's a bit like the Aerial Pink thing. It's actually like really, uh, there's a lot of conscious artistic decisions going into some of the weird like dropouts and odd stuff. And like sometimes levels seem strange. Right. But initially it was called Our Future, Your Clutter. And then, yeah, when this version, the final version actually came out, it's called your future are clutter. Okay. Which I like. I like it. It sounds like basically, you know, this album is like a load of rubbish that's going to be cluttering up your house. Yeah. That's cool. Um, the vinyl version's different as well, which is quite interesting. I, I, I do like uh, that kind of thing. Um, if you've got the LP, you get two extra songs and a slightly different track listing. Okay. That's interesting different track listing as well but um you know you could pick any fall album really and um 
put it in your top 10. But for me, this is the one that I've listened to the most and enjoyed the most. Yeah, maybe it's the one I should jump in at. I don't know, every time I listen to the full, I'm just like, I don't think I get it. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I kind of get it. I don't really get it. Um, yeah, it's like, it's like they're my white band. Like, people love them, love them. Yeah. Um, but to a lot of people, it's just, yeah, a big turn off. And obviously, you know, Marky Smith's, I mean, totally idiosyncratic like, yeah. approach to singing. Um, it's a bit like they're a band. For, it's like a magic eye, though. Like once you once it's popped, you've got the technique. Yeah, and you can see that. it. You just uh, transfixed. Sense. Yeah, mm, interesting. Um, cool. Well, that was your number one album for the 2010s, and uh, my one, which is going to be a real. Um, anti-climax <laughs> is uh, Ariel Pink pom-pom <laughs> how's about that uh, no I surprise. almost put it as number one as well <laughs> um, yeah so, I mean we've already spoken about it but again a bit of a cheat maybe having two Ariel Pink albums but I do think it's well deserved um, yeah well done Mr Pink yeah it's done really well and I've, I had one of those uh, Spotify uh, decade wrap-ups or whatever they're called um where yeah, they just use their algorithms to pull out what you listen to the most. And Ariel Pink won as my most listened to artist or whatever by a mile. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't remember who was who was number two. Uh, I think it was Nirvana, actually, which is, you know, <laughs> Jesus, showing my fucking eclectic taste. But, um, yeah, there's no real surprise that Ariel Pink, um, you know, won that just because it's like, I feel like, so much stuff out there and I never get bored of even his yeah. old stuff. Um, and as I said, like I probably still listen to doldrums more than anything. Um, you know, and I highly recommend if you haven't heard of Ariel Pink, if you have, you know, you kind of got a taste for it and you want a bit more, go for it. And it's literally, you could have any taste in music and there'll probably be a song there for you. Totally. You know, it's not like, you know, he doesn't do one thing really. So it's really like I think part of what makes him so great is that even if he bounces around all these genres and stuff, he's still got a very strong pop sensibility. Like mm. he's very good. He's very good at um, coming up with a tune, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's what it all essentially kind of boils down to. Um, is that yeah? It's kind of still even no matter how it's produced, how it sounds, what he's doing with it, it's still. A, a popular <laughs> yeah. like sound yeah. in a sense of like a melody that actually you know stays with you yeah um, these are good songs they're hooky yeah exactly and he knows that and he knows what he's good at and he's just oh a, he knows he's an enigma of a man <laughs> um so that's it man that was long you should uh, are you going to send him like a new winter reward or something Okay, I'll, yeah, send him a Most kiss. listened to on my Spotify playlist mm. award. Yeah, I send him with a sticky tissue as well and go, guess guess what's in here? <laughs> <laughs> These are not two pom-poms, but you might think they are. <laughs> Just crunching tissues. These are my Disgusting. pom-poms. <laughs> um, man. Yeah, any final thoughts on this decade, music-wise? Oh, Lord. Well, a personal reflection, a rather sad one, 
as I get older, um, I probably listen to less new music. Um, I say I listen to more more music that was new to me than I ever have. Mm. But most of it is from the 60s and 70s. So I've been working my way back through the decades um, as the years rolled on. And so, yeah, I didn't listen to as much stuff. And I'm really aware that there's all this great music that I still haven't heard. Um, you know, like two of my um, best friends, uh, you know, Ben and William, mm. I asked them what were their albums of the, the decade. Mm. And they both picked the same number one, which oh, really? was The National. Oh, you say the fool. <laughs> you meant <laughs> you. Right, yes. Yeah, um, um, I've never really listened to The National and thought, oh, great. Again, people yeah. love them. People really like them. So I haven't even heard that. And, like, there are a few honourable mentions. Um, you know, like, I really enjoyed the OCs. Um, yeah. But nothing quite dented my kind of, like, uh, list. Um, I really like PJ Harvey, Let England yes. Shake. That was um, that was on and off my uh, top ten as well. Um, and I listened to a lot of um, like De- Deerhoof, who have been one of my favourite bands over the last fifteen years. Mm. Um, didn't quite again loads of songs that I loved, but no one album that was quite there. Melvin's one of my favourite bands. Really didn't enjoy their output over the decade. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of like trying to hang on to old bands that I knew I liked and sort of like watching some of their stuff slide away. But um, I think, yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun digging around, listening to old stuff. Maybe 2020, I need to get back in the uh, saddle and actually keep up with the uh, fresh material of the new generation. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem is that I feel like there's nothing that's been that exciting that's kind of come out over the last 10 years. Um, the, the, the 10 years before, 2000, 2010, which I would kind of signal as, which was the kind of decline of the music industry. Like I know it had been steady declining really a bit before that, but it was where it kind of tanked, basically. If you look at 2000, where it was in 2000, where it was in 2010, you know, file sharing, whatever, all playing a part in this, but just generally yeah. how, how everything was shifting. Um, like coming into 2010, like the music was just completely different and the way people were consuming it. Um, and I hate the word consume, consumers, but still. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and all this. And yeah, so the last decade, we've been kind of reeling from that a little bit. And I think a lot of the music has suffered uh, for it. There's no real risk takers. And when there are risk takers, um, they're they're not really given that much attention, to be honest. Uh, There's been a lot of, I mean, and saying this, it's kind of the same with Ariel Pink as well, but there's been a lot of just parodying like previous music genres because there's no one's, there's no scene happening. There's no one that's got an identity. And even when stuff, it's like, oh, you've got people in there. I saw like Kanye West and Beyonce or whatever, and all these people um, have got stuff. It's like, yeah, but they're still not really doing anything completely new. There's no real yeah. movement. There's not anything that people are clinging to. They're just hanging off old genres or they're yeah. going back and just putting things out of other bits and pieces and trying to yeah. push them together new. I mean, there was like, what, dubstep? And as in like Skrillex and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. that that was a 
um, I felt like that was a kind of a, a, an evolution of electronic music, kind of going into like metal and a punky kind of electro sound or whatever. But again, that wasn't really much of a movement or a scene and it was just sounded just too similar. And even that was an evolution out of like, um, like didn't Liam Howlett do something? It was like um, Girls, that track Girls, yeah. Prodigy. Yeah, it's, that's People quite point dubstep back to sounded. that being the beginning of dubstep. Yeah, and it's, uh, to be honest, yeah, there's a lot that, um, I mean, just Prodigy generally, to be honest, it comes, um, a lot of that would kind of stem from that, the kind of way yeah. it mixed like rock and EDM or whatever. Yeah. Um, so again, whole, it was... like. Chill wave, vapor wave. Yeah, and it, again, all, that's kind of we a like bit, it, but it's basically trying to evoke a bygone time, <clears> isn't it? And like, yeah, it's nostalgia heavy. Yeah. Um, so there's no, there's nothing really that's happened, and but I'm quite, I'm, I think, things. quite happy to be wrong. That's what I mean. If there's stuff happening and I'm not aware of it, then great, I want to hear about it. So you know, do yeah. let me know. But as far as I'm concerned, personally, I've there's not been that much. Great stuff the last 10 years, unfortunately. Just some honourable mentions. Um, <laughs> you yeah. sound like an old man. It's great. I know. Well, that's what I feel like I'm turning into, right? Um, but it's like we lived through, like, the 80s and the 90s. And even when I think of things like... It's, I was thinking of this the other day. I was reading about whatever, um, just like a general top 10 of whatever it was at the end of, like, the 80s or something. And it's like every one of these is, like... <laughs> classic like yeah. a classic hit and you just look at the charts today and you're just like there's always just like one track which you know maybe but might be famous or whatever the rest is just like nothing dross. like won't get yeah dross or something be completely forgettable you know but then i say that and i think of things like you know in the 60s you know when people think of like well in the 70s as well but it's like you know all these like there's rolling stones and Beatles and all this stuff yes who were like popular but all these like, you know, cool um, musicians, all this cool music that came out, um, yeah. they weren't like charting. It yeah. was like fucking Tom Jones. And like it was the same song really because it would just be like you buy a song and then someone would just fucking cover it. And yeah. that song would appear by four different artists on the same top 10 list for that week, yeah. which is mad. That It wasn't represented within the charts, but that's not what we remember. We remember like the actual cultural significance stuff that yeah. came out of that movement, not what was just the highest selling thing at that fucking time. Um, so, but there's not, so maybe there's something like that going on that I'm not aware of. I don't know. But yeah, I think we're in a time where identity is very fluid at the moment and no one's kind of, yeah, there's just no scene or movement. There's no like collaboration, which is pushing um, each other. And usually that's in- indicative of a location. Um, you know, what's like, what's the New York scene at the moment? don't know because it's probably so fucking varied and split up that there's no one mm. kind of there's no nothing no actual scene happening there's nowhere where people can fucking play for a start or live yeah. so yeah i think it's but we kind of get into like a culturally dead time and it's weird because in the industry and in especially in advertising industries and stuff like that people keep harking on about the fact that creativity is alive and inspiring and it's everywhere and you have these like seminars i'm like you're all fucking rich idiots <laughs> like mm. at the top of your fucking game who can like sit around there and talk about how great your creativity is because you're there's this brand or this brand's doing something different. And it's like, but that's, that's great. Whatever that you're doing that, but what is like grassroots creativity? What's happening there? 
Where's, where's the real, like, inspiring, energising, youthful, forward-thinking future of creativity? And I don't know where that is. Likewise. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not here, that's sure. Diatribes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, some kind Think of, like... About, oh, sorry, go on. Like, you think about the rate of development of music... Um, you know, over the last, what, 70 years. Mm. So 50s, you know, rock yeah. and roll, yeah. 60s, so much. Like just from 65 to like 68, yeah. total revolution. Mm. Um, think about how different something, you know, the pop charts in 1975 were to like 1985. Yeah. Um, and then again throughout the 90s and... I could, but, you know, I can listen to something from 2005 and listen to something like now. Yeah. And I can't tell the difference. Absolutely correct. So, but that, I, suppose, I don't think that will ever happen again. Like I was, I was saying to, um, to my missus the other day, is that what people at the boomer generation, okay, boomer, um, they lived through a time. Where, as you said, like these things happened, there's cultural shifts happening yeah. all the time and very quickly. And as a cult- culture was basically evolving at a very rapid rate, um, it's very reactionary. And that's basically kind of slowed down now. We're coming out yeah. at the end of it. And I don't think it will be like for a very long time. Like, I don't, obviously, it's not happened just because of the way technology and the human evolution works. Um, we won't get, I don't think we'll get something that happens as fast as that um, or as significant as those changes, you know, for a long while. Yeah. yeah surely. Like, it's, it's got like to be a- the next step. Like, what's the, what's the next kind of, you know, revolution with it all? Is it, and that's the thing, like, you think, is it a new instrument? Can't be. And that's the problem with, like, not problem, but that's the thing with, like, keyboards and synthesizers. The whole point is it can synthesize any sound at any note. It's only so many notes so many sounds and a synthesizer can do them all um that's like um you know now access to technology and access to a whole catalog of 70 years of music has meant that yeah rather than pushing forward and being innovative um a lot of music is about sort of consolidating old sounds and mashing them up and repackaging and sort of regurgitating them yeah um I don't know, often it takes a seismic kind of like cultural and societal event maybe to actually push the envelope on something new. Yeah, and this is the thing, is it, has to, it usually comes from the youth, right? Like yeah. kind of bring it out with the old, in with the new. Um, and I don't know, you know, what that might be, or even if they're that bothered. Like that's the well, thing as far as reading. Oh, yeah. I was reading the other day about how part of this kind of cultural revolution was to do with the fact that people were like standing up for something and like going to, um, you know, all these um, protests or whatever. And there was like real um, stuff kind of happening. And is it going to become one of those things where we like everything circular, we're going to go like back, you know, people say we're already there, like to being like more of a racist country as in well america like a lot of people saying aren't they but the whole thing and then it will kind of come back and there'll be more of that and maybe there'll be another movement out of that it'd be reflected upon what's going on in society um 
don't know. I don't know. It's, I'm just always, I'm always reading these little hodgepodge of articles and thoughts or whatever here and there. And I get myself confused about it. Um, but yeah, basically in the last 10 years, fuck all happened. <laughs> the best thing we can do is like sales, make an album. Yeah. Another and, one. And uh, reinvigorate the music scene. Yeah. But what would that, I'm like genuinely like, what would, <laughs> what, what would it be? Like, I wouldn't even know where to start with that. And that's the thing is that even with all like, you know, rock and punk or whatever dance and all this stuff it's like still got to have a good song though isn't it yeah yeah <laughs> still could be based around that um yeah it's interesting I mean this is why like when me and Rich do our like noise stuff as static static it's just because it's like well it's just turning the whole thing yeah. on its head a little bit um and you know we just it's a case of like not of making music that's not music what is it it's just sound and then what's that what is music? What is a song? Um, and yeah, it's, it's weird. Anyway, some kind of albums that um, honourable mentions from my side. Uh-huh. Um, Frankie Rose, Interstellar. Um, who's Fra- that then? Who's that? Frankie Rose uh, was part of Crystal Stilts and uh-huh. she had a solo thing. And I remember I was filming at the Lexington in London. Oh, Yes. And um, there's a guy from Nokia. We're doing a Nokia phone thing. And um, I looked uh, and on the thing, I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, uh, Frankie Rose is playing tonight. I love Frankie Rose. And I was like, oh, do you want to go? And I was like, this is the manager of the lecture. I was like, yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, put me down for like a couple of tickets. And she's like, okay, cool. And the Nokia guy was like, um, yeah, okay, great. And uh, uh, yeah, so I might come as well. I was like, okay. Uh, cool, cool. Uh, well, let's go back to the office. So I took him back to our production office and he just basically sat there, waited. And I was like, yeah, okay, I guess I'm taking this guy out <laughs> for, the, oh, for the evening. So it's just me and him at this Frankie gig. Yeah, with his Nokia phone. Bless him, he was really sweet though. And he was in love. Like he was with Nokia you. all the way with me. Oh. He was in love with his Nokia phone. Um I remember he was like, okay, take a photo of this plant and let's see who could do it first because I had an iPhone or whatever. And I was like, okay. And he was like, there, see, it's already ready to post. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm not like, one, I'm not too bothered that you were able to do it like three seconds quicker than me. Wow. Two, who the fuck needs to put up a post that fast? And it's things like that where I think, Nokia, that's where you don't really understand. <laughs> like that's why Instagram took off because people wanted to make... People were winning because they fucking use their phones all the time in front of it to like actually put on filters and make it look a bit nice rather than like, just get the, get it up. Yeah. That's speed. It's like, no, that's just you not understanding your audience. Anyway, Frankie Rose, Interstellar. Yeah, so it's that kind of like a surfy rock. Um, it's really nice to listen mm. to, actually. Her voice is great and it's a bit dreamy in places, um, but lots of wet reverb and... Um, it's like Crystal Stilts, but less droney and more okay. poppy. Um, and it was, it was on my number ten for a long while. Um, but it did, it did fall off, unfortunately. But yeah, it, it is a really, a real honourable mention. Um, a bit boring, but Arcade Fire Suburbs, um, strong album. I always like Arcade Fire. Really, I'm never in love with them. I still don't really understand how they're such a huge band. Um, but that first album was great. And they continue to make quality albums. I think that's kind of what's good about them is they're consistent. 
yeah. like each album I'm never like oh my god this is amazing like it feels like a very like Q kind of album or something if that's still a magazine that's going huh. um, but I'm still like with each album I'm like there's a couple of really strong fucking cool tracks here and they're really good live as well um, so I did get it but yeah Suburbs is a good one um, randomly uh, the Tron soundtrack um tron legacy uh by daft punk and it is a fucking great album um and it's for me it's their last good album because i don't really like anything they released post that um and yeah i think it's worth getting a mention uh it's i didn't really put it on for the sake that you know it is an album but it's a soundtrack so i'm not sure if it fits i'm just going to leave it out but i thought i'd mention it anyway um can uh, qualify did yeah. that come out before uh random access it did memories yeah. or? it did yeah yeah so but they'd um you know there's a lot of orchestra in this one and it really does work and i actually really liked tron legacy as a movie um but yeah this was fucking cool worked in the movie i actually listened to the album it came out before the film did and i had tickets for like the opening night at the fucking bfi imax to go and see Tron Legacy, uh, the Waterloo yeah. one, because I was so obsessed with it. Um, and yeah, when I fucking had, when I got this album and I listened to it on CD, um, and the big, like, it kind of starts with um, Jeff Bridges, like, the grid, blah, 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 blah. It's like, doon, doon, doon. It starts up and I was like, it's like, dun, 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 dun. I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> like, it sounds fucking huge. It's going to be epic. Um, and yeah, it's still got some amazing Daft Punk things, but it's very like, it's dark synth before dark synth. Um, and yeah, it's big, it's epic. And it feels like an, an actual score. Um, it's very rare that you listen to a soundtrack, like a score, literally it is, it is a score. And yeah. you're like, there are songs here. This is a song mm. with a hook and a thing that I remember. Fucking brilliant. Um, sounds good. It's really good. Uh, randomly Eagles as well. Do you remember their first album? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, you recommended that to me. Yeah. I liked that. I still like it. Second album was atrocious, but um <laughs> this first one was still good, but I don't I don't I think it's um it didn't last. Like it's quite I've listened to it too much too quick and now when I listen back to it I'm a bit I'm just bored by it and it just yeah. sounds a bit monotonous to me now. But um at the time I really liked it. I was like I listened back to it recently, I was like Nah, so if it's time, like I'm done with it, I think, you know, it's okay. Um, and it's fine. Uh, Foles, Total Life Forever, it's an okay album. It was after um, Antidotes or whatever the first album was. And there's a couple of tracks like um, Spanish Sahara, which is the first single they released off uh, Total Life Forever. I still think it's an incredible song and it's a great uh, introductory, even though it's like, a, like it's midway through the album, I think. It's a great introductory song to what became the album. Um, cause it's very slow, great build, still has that full sound, but it feels like they matured as songwriters and the whole album mm-hmm. feels like that. Unfortunately, they went way far down the safe route um, and released crap pretty much after that. Yeah. But this was, um, this was still, this was that turning point where it was like, um, we still kind of got that early edgy vibe but we've we've matured our sound and it's quite a cool mix, but some works better than others. Um, that's kind of it, I guess, for like Charles. Um, I would say Charles Bradley's I've got here, which is pretty good. 
Fondle Park, yeah, Kavinsky outrun, Kavinsky outrun, yeah, John Mouse, as we were saying, pitiless version of ourselves or whatever. Oh yeah, I was uh, surprised actually. I thought that was going to pop up. On yeah, it, it did. It was it was on there for a bit and just kind of got pushed down with other stuff. I think because it's um, don't know. I just felt other other ones were a bit stronger, to mm-hmm. be honest, or just had more of a connection with Future oh, Islands, maybe. Cat size is good. You might like that actually because it's um, it's the guy from Horrors, uh, and this is pure sixties. Like the way that Horrors is a bit sixties, this is pure yeah. like a sixties album. It's him and this woman, and uh, I think they've only done two albums or whatever. But it's yeah, it's called Cat Size. Um, huh. I'm but yeah, at it now cool cover. Yeah, it's really cool. So they've very much gone down that road. You you really like it actually. You should um, you should stick that on later. It looks like a Dario um, Argento. Like yeah, a film poster. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's um, on purpose. Um, some Ty Seagal stuff, Future Cop. Then I see. Hey, what place... was your favourite Ty Seagal? Um, is it Melted? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I put Emotional Mugger. I was gonna. I had that like in my top ten. <coughs> yeah, um, it was a bit. Yeah, he's bit... done. He's done a lot recently. I suppose in the last ten years. Emotional um, Mugger was a bit more, like, unpleasant, <laughs> I think, in some ways. Yeah. It reminded me I, of, like, really, really early Devo. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, recently, I've got a thing coming up on my Spotify going, oh, new releases. And I saw someone said, like, Devo, and it was, I can't remember what it's called now. And I pressed play without even thinking of it, and I was like, wow, oh, they've really gone in a new direction here. And then there was a guy, like, rapping in another language on it. Yeah. What the fuck is this? And it's just some like Italian gangster or whatever's called himself Devo. <laughs> and Spotify have attached it to the official Devo oh, account. No. So I was thinking, fucking hell, you must have got a lot of hits just from that alone. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think that's kind of it. I was looking at Metronomy, English Riviera, but didn't really like it that much. Place to Bury Stain- Strangers, Worship. Oh, yeah. That kind of felt there. Also, the Drive soundtrack. Probably would have won it, but. Um, had it been on it, but uh, I don't think that counts either because, again, it's just kind of like a compilation of songs. Yeah, um, yeah that's it, I think. And then some of the stuff that you mentioned as well, PJ Harvey and whatever. So, yeah, that's been a good old chunk of time now, Dan. I think we can I think we can safely say goodbye <laughs> to the 2010s. <laughs> Lay them to rest. Yeah, I think uh, they're done. Farewell. You were a decade... It happened. It happened, yeah. You were time that passed. Mm. Uh, not particularly pleasantly. No. Well, you know, we got some albums out of it. We well, some, done, yeah. well done to Ariel Pink and The Fool. Yeah, well, well done, done, guys. And we have applause. Um, <laughs> so, for anyone that wants to contact us and have a go at us and tell us how shit and wrong we are, you can uh, email us at newwinterpodcast at gmail.com or go to Instagram or Twitter at a new winter. You can also sign up to our Patreon, patreon.com slash a new winter. And uh, yeah, for those who don't know, there's an actual original ring versus uh, the remake ring episode up there. I compare the two and go into a bit of a deep dive about them both. Um, you might be interested in that, Dan, actually. Yeah, um, a bit of ring. Yeah, you like a good ring. And uh, that's, that's it. Okay. So thanks for joining us. And um, yeah, should we just go through our top 10 actually one more time? Go so on then. Got, right, uh, you go first. Okay. 
At number 10, King Buzzo with uh, I've forgotten the name of the title. This machine kills artists. <laughs> Nine was Beak with <coughs> three, third Beak album. Number eight was King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard Gumboot Soup. Mmm, tasty. Number seven. Radiohead, a moon-shaped pool. Number six, Black Star by that lovable rogue, David Bowie. And uh, moving into the top five, number five was Richard Dawson, Peasant. Mm. Number four, Go Go Penguin, V2. Mm. Number three was Swans, My Father Will Lead Us Up a Rope to the Sky. Number two, Ariel Pink with his pom-pom. And at number one was The Fool, your future, our clutter. Mm. Your bum hole, my butter. Um, <laughs> my, uh, my top ten, number ten, is washed out within and without. Number nine, cloud nothings, here and nowhere else. Um, I always feel like mine seem to be very location-based in title. Um, <laughs> everything, everything, man alive. Uh, number seven, Twilight Sad. No one wants to be here and no one wants to go home. <laughs> I do love that <laughs> title. Um, it's, it's just like I'm just pitching myself at a party saying <laughs> saying exactly that. Um, number six, Wild Beasts, Smother. Number five, Ariel Pink, dedicated to Bobby Jameson. Number four, Kurt Vile, Smoke Ring for My Halo. Number three, Idols, Joy as an Act of Resistance. Number two, Mets, Mets. At number one, Ariel Pink, Pum pum, pum pum, um, and that's it, guys. So thank you for listening. Thank you for listening Th- as well. Thanks, guys, for the listens, and thanks, Sam. Mm. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and now let's <laughs> bold, go boldly on into a brave new decade. Yeah, I've listened to no albums yet released this year, <laughs> so I can't wait. What it's gonna. <laughs> throw up in my face <laughs> uh, lovely goodbye bye everyone culture hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.